Big Fluff. I'm tired of everybody around me making all the decisions. This time, I lead. Seriously. If I don't start making decisions, I'm out. All right, Roman. What do you got? I mean, I wasn't trying to get into the whole leadership thing, like, now. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of talking about, like, at some point. Like, you know, when we... Whatever. I mean, I think... Let's hit it from here. I don't think that that's... No, no, no. Don't think. That's my job. Okay. It is impossible to hit it there. That is literally the most secure spot on the mountain. Why? Because you cannot physically access it. See, that's what makes it so sweet. Because it's the place that they least expect us to hit him from. As much as I hate to admit it, he's on to something there. What do you think, Dom? Here. Yeah. I think we got a plan. Completely wrong thinking. And I like it. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And we are continuing our journey through the Fast and Furious saga. And because that saga is all about family. 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 Yeah. And friends are the family that you choose. We have another good friend of ours. As a guest this week, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, John Windmuller. Hello. Is, thank you. It is such a pleasure to be here, and it was uh, so wonderful to get an excuse to rewatch this film. I, had for, I may have forgotten that I'd watched it earlier, but <laughs> it, it was a wonderful thing to return to, and this this film does not deserve to be maligned, so... Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's probably a good place to start. Yeah. How do you feel about the franchise as a whole? I mean, it started right with the first. Let me just say, like, I'm spotty on the whole thing, but I remember the first and I just remember thinking like, yeah, that was a that made sense as a pitch meeting. Right. Like you liked Point Break. It's like that with supercars. Like, yeah. Boom. Sold. Go with that. Yeah. I would imagine that was the exact pitch word for word. But yeah, I'd hope so. Otherwise, I feel like the studio execs would have been like, "Does he has he seen Point Break?" (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so they do Point Break, and then somehow six short films later, uh, we are now they're now wrapped up in a game of international espionage and high tech surveillance. They were all over the place. I I swear this movie is like hats on hats on hats. (laughs) Which is impressive for the number of uh, folks who are not wearing hats and are bald in the film. Like it's like it's 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 going straight through this on it, yeah. and it is it is. Ha- I've never like way more stars than were, were needed, right? Way oh. more. Oh yeah. yeah, and not even everyone from the fa- like there are people left out of this franchise like in this movie, so it's not even the entire bench. But yeah, definitely overcrowded. It's also yeah to your point. So. The the opening really sets you up for something, right? Like, so we end the last movie with this teaser of Jason Statham, and we're finally, we're closing that loop. 
from Tokyo Drift, you know, so we're Han is dying and and it turns out it's Jason Statham is killing him. So we open with him and it's a great scene. Like it's, you know, he's like giving the speech over his brother's hospital bed. We see all the guards. This guy is the threat and we're, we're in it. We understand what's going to happen. And then Kurt Russell shows up with a different movie. <laughs> right, right, and 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 Jason Statham keeps coming in like with these other like following the MacGuffin hijinks. Yeah, so, like who totally wasn't necessary, right? Like, but he's just like, and then the the boss level peeks in, like yeah, because he's both in Azerbaijan or he's is in Abu Dhabi. Like he just keeps yeah, like, keeps popping up. up. Yeah, yeah. This like, is kind of I mean, forgot him. Yeah, because we all... it's practically a whole other film. Yeah, we all do improv and we've done improv together. This is sort of that, right? Of like someone had an idea for an improv scene. Someone else came in, negated the premise, but that guy is committed. Statham is just staying on that original. He's walking on to every, <laughs> just every, every day. Scene. Scene. He's doing a walk on. <laughs> right. Yeah. And but I, here, I do want to like mention though, like on things to love about the film, the opening scene is great. Is, is great because it's, I love a good recontextualization. Yeah. Right. And it starts with like this perfect, like, kind of heart yeah it's with the bad guys but still it's a heartfelt moment pull back to the all of a sudden no they're terrified doctors pull back to a hospital that i think inefficiently he has laid complete <laughs> siege upon to yeah. get there and then on the way out like he's cavalier with the uh grenades and when I, I feel like yes the movie is ridiculous on the level of of like action and whatnot but it owns it from the beginning. Like it lets you know it's aware of it. And it also sets up the beginning of some just solid cinematography. I feel like, like yeah. the yeah. camera, like there's maybe like one or two static shots, but the camera is moving all the time in this film. Well, and, and yeah, to your point too, that opening scene, the camera's moving, but it's also then every time it moves, it's like we're getting more information. It's like he's in the hospital room, but oh, he's taken out all these guards and oh, he's surrounded uh, yeah, we it's like you're slowly like learning about how intimidating this guy is by the camera work. It's really clever and well done, you know. And then, yeah, we do a whole different movie for a while. <laughs> right. Although, I mean, the camera work does stay good because it yes, flips to, yeah. there's this nice scene where the car is going down the road and it like it flips on its access to, access to follow it. And I was thinking like a lot of this, like how can you make driving a car cool right like mm -hmm. like it's like you can only like there's definitely like exhaust note porn and <laughs> oh, like yeah. going on here like that yeah. like how energetic can you make clutch shifts like going on over luckily there. these cars have infinity gear so you can just keep shifting keep on i do feel like just keep on rowing yeah i feel like we've talked gears. about that before but i this is maybe one of the like not as as guilty of that i feel like there's less shifting I think someone someone took well, out. There's note. also a lot less cars in this one. That's true. Well, yeah, because again, they're doing espionage. Although, because I I rewatch this on Amazon, so I got to see some trivia on it. Over 230 cars <laughs> were devastated and were sacrificed for this film, which nice. is a 70 percent decrease from the previous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so maybe uh, so we kind of got into it a little bit, but maybe some other looking at why this is maligned a little bit before we pivot more into the the silver linings. I don't know if you guys have other stuff specifically that that jumped out at you or that you know are reasons that people kind of push back on this one. I think it's like narratively, it's just a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's like what is the shortest distance to get to the next set piece? Does it make sense with what we've established before? 
who cares? We're racing cars out of airplanes with parachutes through the Alps. Now deal with it. Like that's, and then, then we're in Dubai and then we're, you know, in the next place and then we're in the next place and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. There's a flimsiness to like, okay. So Shaw shows up and he starts, he kills Han. He seems very driven at first. He kills Han. He tries to blow them up. He puts the rock in the hospital. Like he's, he's fired up and then he kind of calms down a little bit. So, well, and he's very verbose in the first act mm-hmm. and then stops talking the rest of the movie. Yeah. And then he's, he has a sniper rifle and he's like chasing them down on their, where if he, he was saying like, Rand, he'd be assassin. calling them before he shot at them. Right. Like just like with the bomb, right. Like he'd be calling, like, I just want you to know. Well, that is a good, you're in my he, sight. so I really couldn't decide that by the way. That's a good question. Maybe to start, was he trying to kill them with the, the bomb on their porch or was that just, he was just taunting them. I honestly couldn't decide how the movie felt about that. Yes. <laughs> okay perfect so <laughs> it did seem very odd for the self-described consummate hitman who they kept describing as being from a different world mm-hmm. which i'm like really because these folks seem like they also saw problems through violence and extreme measures <laughs> so i don't know and, if and driving like, real hard and driving hard well there's also then you get into so he's from a different world kurt russell's from a different world but he is going to allow them to operate the exact way they operate in all of these movies. So like you you guys are the right guys for this world. And I I do love that scene the clip in the beginning of just like everybody pees in a pod like that plan is terrible, which is why it's brilliant. It's such a great trip. I mean, <laughs> like they lean so heavily into that trip. Like the best thing about punning on first and 10 is that no one expects it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like it's like it's so bad no one sees it coming. Like that's there's a yeah, because it's a bad plan. Um, you almost yeah, needed the, John Madden doing play by play for these. <laughs> and like the, and oh, the MacGuffin, this can't be the first time we've had the MacGuffin equivalent of God of the gods. I right? like, here's this thing that renders miraculously a group of surveillance technologies that are definitely legacy systems and cannot be accessed you know, <laughs> from any one, one thing like that. Like, I feel like that's like, that's a total trope as well. I, weirdly, it was, it's very tropey which I think is something you could say is against it. Or you could say like people come to the film, like it, it knows what it is and it's delivering that except for Kurt Russell's character, not turning out to be terrible. Like, like right. I, that, that continued to almost feel weird to me because for him to not double cross at some point was a little surprising. Yeah. Or even not, it didn't even have to be a double cross, but just like to turn out that he's using them, that he has right. his own agenda or something. Yeah, you wanted like something extra with him of like, there's a reason he's using them and it's because they're patsies. Or and his, his only agenda is apparently to highlight the role of Belgian beer as being a Corona alternative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, and they're, they on his do, deathbed, like, on his trope. seeming deathbed, he's, this is the last words to, to Dom. Try Belgian ale. <laughs> yeah. But like they even like do that when um, they hand him the God's eye and the music drops out like he's going to double cross him and he just takes it from Paul Walker and hands it to Vin Diesel. Yeah. It's like, thanks. You got this for me. Now go to work with it. Also, man, the best like tease that obviously they couldn't deliver on, but like the idea of like, man, I read your file and you guys are wild. What does that file say at this point? Like, what is their file? <laughs> that file just says they live their life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> right. Yeah. I do like that, like the the trope of like the overly uh, qualified like team leader because like he knew what what the kind of beer he needed. He already knew his team would need to be assembled, yeah. and they were there. Like you know, 
Yeah, no, it's a bucket. Like, I'm going to offer you the Belgian ale, but there's a bucket of Corona, right. like, just yeah. off frame. Just to see. Which yeah. is, like, and a nice this point. A nice little bit of, like, show, don't tell. Like, as they were saying, I'm like, like, look, I've got your number. Like, I appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. I think also, like, for the, the crew, as it were, they should just never separate because this is now like the seventh movie where they've had to assemble the crew in order to accomplish Except something. what happened to the two guys who one bet it all on red and the other bet it all on black? Like they have just disappeared from the crew since five. And I'm concerned That's about true. them. At They're this gone. Point. Yeah. Who well, knows? I, I mean, I feel like an awkward point to do it. But speaking of gone, I mean, another reason why, like, I feel like oh. you dump on this film. Come on, Paul Walker. Yeah. 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 Rest in peace. Yeah. Which it is, you know, like, and we kind of touched on this in some of the previous, like, week's podcasts of, like, it's a little strange to watch these just now in hindsight anyway. But this movie in particular is seems to be telling Paul Walker to stop doing this. Like, it, it's like everyone in the world, like Mia and Dom are like, you have kids now. You seem to be an adrenaline junkie. Maybe give it up. Which is really weird when you know, you know, what happened to Paul Walker. Like, it is kind of yeah, just a very ominous, like, sort of thing to, to watch play out. And I, I still, I think it's, it's ominous throughout. I think they handled it well. Like, I actually, I, I, I would not normally describe the franchise as being, being uh, delicate and empathetic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and it was kind of heavy-handed, but still, like, Oh, he's driving off in the same car that he was driving in the original, that white, I think it's a super, like driving off. They kind of do the missing man formation, right? He's peeling yeah. off to the side like that. And that's a memory of it. Like it, it, it didn't just strike him, strike me as like, um, it, it had some, it struck me as having sincerity. Like, I don't know, but it, it felt that to me, which is not, I think it was hard in any of the, the Fast and Furious franchise to go like, can you add some sincerity to this? Like, oh yeah. man, that's not yeah. a normal note we hit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you would think going in, right, that like this isn't the franchise to handle this delicately. They've literally not handled anything delicately in all of these movies, and it's what we love about them is like their solution is drive faster and harder to solve <laughs> all of their problems. But yeah, I mean, they they really did a nice job, and and also kind of a sort of amazing technical job with yeah i would say like if i didn't know any of the history on this movie i never would have guessed that paul walker died around halfway through the filming of it right because it's and even knowing it you really can't it's pretty seamless it's pretty seamless and and yeah i mean like the I was looking some of that up for this, like the so they got Peter Jackson's uh, Weeda Digital. This is like the same people that made Gollum were hired to to finish the movie, and I, I think everybody knows they got Paul Walker's brothers, they got another like actor to stand in, and then they just used this digital thing. But it was it's three hundred fifty visual effects shot, two hundred sixty used a computer generated face, and ninety repurposed footage of Walker from previous films yeah. like that's a lot and you wouldn't a lot a lot yeah and you would not guess that like again you watch the end and you're you're kind of like well that they they recreated that and you could kind of guess how they recreated it like you said it's the car from before it's a it's something we've seen but like a lot of shots that you wouldn't expect were digital were digital and done 
very seamlessly. Like the yeah, yeah, like the discussion with him and Dom on the military plane is all like none of it is footage that Paul Walker did like for that movie. It's all old, like repurposed stuff. The fact that uh, for scheduling reasons, uh, Jordana Brewster filmed like zero scenes with Paul Walker in like real life. And they're all varying degrees of compositing and stuff like that. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But that whole scene. Yeah. The scene where the the house blows up that Paul Walker didn't film that scene. Like that's all digital like with him. Yeah. Just it's. It's a lot and it is really impressively done like on a technical level and and to John to your point I think done on a very like kind like you know honoring this guy honoring like what everyone's best guess of what he might have wanted you know and and I think getting his family involved was very sweet and then just like you know letting everyone emotionally say goodbye to both Paul Walker and the character in a very respectful way. Yeah, we, it felt, we haven't it felt better that than. Nice. I mean, I feel like like Bobby, like it felt better than how we said goodbye to Princess Leia. Right? I'm gonna, you know, yeah, not, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if but, if only the Star Wars franchise had any sort of budget for special effects. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't think they yeah. could pull something like this off. Yeah, that's uh, that's and, yeah, and and we've I think we've not been the nicest to Paul Walker's abilities as an actor on this podcast, um, but. At the same time, like clearly a great person and definitely had the love, respect and admiration of everybody around him. Well, and, he, and um, when he passed, it was uh, going either to or from the uh, benefit. Yeah, right. He was going to. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And also, again, assuming the pitch meeting was like point break, but in cars like Kenny Reeves isn't exactly holding up like <laughs> like God bless him, but not like range right yeah <laughs> yeah and so um i mean paul walker was hired because of he has those blue eyes and he you know is a handsome fella that you know it, i mean he did what i think he was hired to do for sure oh for but, sure yeah oh yeah i cared about his character it worked on it like that uh it was fast it was furious <laughs> i was wondering on this film uh what what on earth are you going to do next? Right? You know, you're paratrooping, like you're parachuting cars in. You're not jumping across one, but two different buildings. Mm-hmm. Like, like this, like at this point, it's already reached the like, well, this is ridiculous, but still kind of fun. Like, if it's like, where do we go from here? I just kind of want to shake my head and go like, well, mm. have you? So this hasn't. We haven't talked about this on the show yet, but maybe this is a good point to talk about this. I don't know if both of you heard the rumor, but apparently, uh, this is a social media rumor, so take it with a grain of salt, but. The rumor apparently is that Universal is in- possibly interested in having a Fast and Furious and Jurassic World crossover movie. <laughs> That's all you need. And mm-hmm. as long as Raptors are driving cars alongside them. Yeah, I mean, if you could put a Raptor like in a car, at least an ATV, and have Dom Toretto go, clever girl, then I my money is spent. Like I would be so happy. <laughs> like, I'm already like I will I will kick I will kickstart funder this campaign. Shouldn't it happen? <laughs> it should happen. Like we've always said space, and I think it kind of seems like nine, like they're not saying that they go to space, but it seems like they might go to space and nine. Yeah, they're but then going to space. Yeah, so they're gonna go to space at some point. But yeah, why not? I mean, they've done everything else. Why not have them fight dinosaurs? You know, well, at this point, like we keep telling them to make them right because this one apparently on the trivia, it made more in its opening weekend than the first did for its entire run. Yeah, it made it to a billion, I think, faster. It's the fastest movie to a billion at the time, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, at the time of its release was in the top five highest grossing movies right. ever. Yeah. Surpassing it, Avatar, yeah. which I feel should be on this podcast <laughs> because I have a lot of trash to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. so. oh, does, uh, there's, we should probably, I mean, those sequels are coming out at some yeah, point. Yeah. 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 So maybe it's a time to revisit the uh, Pandora. Yeah. yeah I also did not unobtainium, you hack. Like, come on. <laughs> I assume that was like a placeholder in the script yeah. that they forgot to like edit and change. Yeah, so bad. Well, uh, and the crazy thing is that unobtainium is actually a real scientific concept in that it's a placeholder for a word for a thing that will fix the problem that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, well, so we're, we're talking about the fast, fast, fast. Furious 7. That's what this is called, right? Because, right? because. But maybe they invented a... uh, Arabic numerals for this movie, <laughs> as far as I can understand it. So, but yeah, does that? I mean, like maybe that's a question, and maybe I don't know. Maybe this is, you guys will push back on this. But I like so every movie obviously is trying to do more than the last movie. But to, like to me, I almost feel like this does feel like some kind of threshold. Like that there's the movies before this one, and then there's like when you're I don't know the whole God's Eye thing. Like we're just getting into like a kind of tech. And like a kind of world that I don't think we were in before this. And I don't know if they even really entered the world. Like it was, it was such a like it was just like oh, it does everything. But yeah, like, I feel like they could they should have just stopped it there before like trying to show the ridiculous things that it was doing. I do feel because we all have this improv background, like you, you know, this notion of heightening. I do feel like like this felt like the last beat, right? Like yeah. again, parachuting cars, building to building. Uh, playing chicken where they just ram each other, you know, like <laughs> head on. Like, I don't know where you go from this. <laughs> that is one of like, man, in the, since you mentioned the chicken too, one of the things about this franchise that it gets me every time, but you can see it in five. Like, so five, it's like, we're driving towards a cliff. What are we going to do? We're going to drive off the cliff. This one, it's like, okay, so two guys are playing chicken. Who's going to swerve first? No one. Neither. But, but also, there's another scene too. Saddam is trapped by. Uh, this is the dumbest scene in the movie. Yeah, but Digimon Hansu, like, right? All of his guys, like, this is the whole thing. This is why we had the plan. This is why you dropped the cars. They've now caught him. He is surrounded. There's a literal cliff to his back. So what does he do? He drives off the cliff. And what's his plan? Oh, you're to, not before he, selling this. Not before second, he Joel. does. He, like, that would be doing so much donuts better. Right? to kick up all of the dust. <laughs> yeah, enough dust to hide him. Then waits for the dust to settle. Yeah. Then drives off the cliff. Right. That was just to like, because like, yeah, that was to annoy them. Right. Right. Like, with the weird bit of I guess. The sniper aiming on him. Then of course he had no awareness of whatsoever. No. Yeah. So there. And that was the second time he'd gone off the cliff before it was like racing another car downhill. And what felt like, like ski racing. But even uh, that, path. but <laughs> like, even that was like okay. You're at least driving. It kind of made sense. This is an accident that he should not have walked away from. <laughs> and also, why did at first I'm like, oh, he wanted to face forward to attempt some maneuvering, but no, it no. was just crash. So he could have just, you know, hit it in reverse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's no reason yet yeah, to build up speed. There was no reason to go ahead first. He just crashes. There is no. But he plan does make to... sure that uh, Miss Andi uh, puts on her helmet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Giving. It... Also, I like that the henchmen in this were told like aim for the driver because again, if they kill the passenger, that's the whole reason why they need. But then when they start shooting, like no, like their chest, yeah, storm the bullets are all over them. But like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 Star Wars. It's stormtroopers yeah. all over again. 
Yeah, another reason I, this movie just wastes Jaiman Honsu. He's a great actor, and he does. They didn't need him to do what that character did. Yeah, I mean, he has no personality. He has nothing fun to do. He doesn't even have a Guardians of the Galaxy level like him. Like, there's not even like right because he was like line. a limited role in that. But it was like he still had some personality. He still had some character. He still, you know, did some things. Here, it's just. And the fun fact is that he is the only Oscar-nominated actor in any movie in this franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- wait, there's that. Wait, wait, wait. In any of the movies? No, that's not true because Charlie Theron's in the next one. So Oh, in the next. Uh, to this point, then. Yeah, Up until true. this point, yeah. yeah. And also, I mean, has Helen Mirren, too, I feel like. But she, been- she, doesn't, she hasn't shown up yet, but yeah. To- yeah. Because Helen Mirren, they show up in the next one. But yeah. So Was we, Helen Mirren just in Hobbs and Shaw or is she in the next one? She's in the next the one. Next. The next okay. one is chock full of, of Oscar nominees. So <laughs> Because they've realized how... Well, yeah, they had one... Uh, semi-obscure Oscar nominee in Jaiman Honsu and it made a billion dollars in 12 minutes so they're like let's just get more mm-hmm. Why a little amazed Kurt Russell has never had that like courtesy Oscar nom yeah yeah but yeah. Yeah, he does he, a great Pat Riley impression throughout this whole movie. Yeah, because there was even potential with like Hateful Eight to do some kind of makeup Oscar with Kurt Russell right. or something. But yeah, I don't think he. But that yeah. movie was trash. So it was. Yeah. Uh, also, I, when I saw this, it was a on on actors that went on to do great things. Um, Natalie Emanuel. I'm getting this right, but I, I saw this of course before Game of Thrones. But now seeing it in back, I was like that. Wait, the hacker. Like no. right, she's yeah. Miss Die whatever from yeah, and she yeah she's the like she works with danny like she's Danny. yeah she's her like yeah right hand person but she's great she's she's oh, really yeah she's great delightful and i like her scene a lot where she sizes them all up of like that's a great scene that yeah. is a really good scene right i also like that they establish her that no, she's really bright there's there's even the nice line of like it's either fear or loyalty and i don't see a drop of fear among you all and she's named like there could be another alpha and all that cut to the next scene where like they're calling dibs on her as she gets yeah out, out of the water be, right because yeah, yeah yeah immediately undercut by like just yeah right i'm just gonna go out there and say it that i think that maybe the fast and furious franchise is over representing the amount of times that people are wearing bikinis i'm just yeah well, suggest I mean, that that might be a, yeah, a thing well, going on there including the the woman who and we haven't talked about Okay, so two things. One, there's a race, and the woman who starts the race is we see that she's wearing a thong, which is completely gratuitous. But also, we have this has not come up on any of these shows before. It is always baffling to me. Their racing event that they participate in is called, and it does not seem to be ironically, Race Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... Which we find out like in this one, we get Vin Diesel saying, we created race wars. Like he wants you to know that. Like... Yeah, I love that it's just car burning man in the desert, and apparently the only thing they're using water for is bikini clad women to dance under. Yeah, it's it, it consists of yeah, it it's all quarter mile races and bikini clad women. Like that that is what race wars is. But it's called race wars and it's, it's not not like like as a wink. It seems like that didn't occur to the writers that that yeah. is a ridiculous I feel like you thing could bring to... that up to the writing team and be like what? <laughs> I think someone might have been like, "Hey, no, we I just want to check car races." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I also I guess I, one thing I, I I miss about the film or when it's like 
Um, so I have very little attachment to cars, except for I briefly, uh, like for a year or two, I did autocross racing um, in a uh, Miata, which I'll defend as a car that has a beautiful 50-50 weight distribution and is great for autocross, where you're normally one person on the track at a time, but you're like rarely over like 50, but you're often in a controlled slide. So like watching like Tokyo Drift, like there was some finesse and skill in the driving, but the quarter mile of just like seeing how fast you can run through your car's gears when a lot of it was set ahead of time with, you know, how the car was built up. Like that to me is one of the least interesting of car action sequences to see. Yeah. It, and otherwise I it's agree. like, I don't know if there was skill, like, like, like all I'm describing this is like, it's actually occurring, but like just hauling ass down the mountain, like half falling your way down the mountain on the car. Like, I don't know. No, yeah. it honestly felt like the scene where they do compete, where Letty competes came from, I almost feel like they delivered a script and realized there was no car race scene in this script. And they were like, we should probably write at least one car race scene in our, you know, to stay true to our roots. Yeah. So that, cause that definitely felt completely, which is funny too, cause they, they hand wave past, uh, seeing Vin Diesel race in, which I don't think you see him race in Tokyo Drift either. Right. So we never actually like in either movie, but we finally closed that loop, but we still, it just cuts to after he has raced and he's, he, we're being told that he, he drifted and he did a really good job, but we didn't see it. I don't know if I saw many times when I was watching this going like, holy cow, that's amazing car driving. In part because just a lot of you are going like, is this real or CGI? You know, there's this moment where they do this sort of this really cool, almost 360 slide where they're passing Ramsey from one car to the other. Oh, yeah. But it's like, ah, like, I would just be impressed with two cars pulling off a coordinated skid around each other that much. But I know that I even felt like, did that happen? Like, I don't know that the movie's gotten me to believe that I'm seeing a lot of the driving. The driving I'm seeing is actually occurring. Yeah, what's wild? I don't know much about the driving. I know they really dropped those cars out of planes, though. <laughs> like, that happened. They actually dropped cars out of the sky to film. And then, obviously, like, we don't... The landing isn't the landing that happened. But they really did throw cars from a plane and film it. So that was... Which is odd, because that seems like one of the easier things to accomplish in a believable way with CGI. Right. right? Yeah, and again, right. unless like it's Mission Impossible and you're doing the Tom Cruise, like Tom Cruise is going to jump and you're going to film him and that's the selling point because the people aren't in the cars. So there's no, yeah, there's no reason to do it, you know, but they did that. But yeah, no, and a lot of the driving, yeah, you wonder, especially, I mean, they make such a big deal about that car uh, when they drive it in between the buildings that you have to imagine they weren't allowed to actually damage that car in any way. <laughs> like, cause there, there's something like eight of those or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of eight supercars. And so maybe they had a similar looking chassis or, you know, a shell on top of some other chassis or whatever. Uh, and the brakes didn't work because, you know, it's a supercar. So right. why would it work right? Also, it was remarkably recognizable as a car after it hit the ground from that right. height. That's what I'm when saying. When I'm thinking yeah. if the car is light enough to actually lift, which I think might actually be the case, like, I think that's going to just be splat on the ground. Like, I don't think you're going to have much to recognize it. No, that was the vehicle. one scene in particular watching it where I was like, this feels like they did not damage this car. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know, they were probably allowed to drive it very slowly and then speed But they up got to give the line of like, there's nothing worse than seeing like a beast in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> it is great. I mean, you want to talk about Chekhov level writing. You you in a Fast and Furious movie tell us there's a car in a penthouse and I'm, I'm into it. Like, I also love, this is the second movie where 
a key piece of tech is hidden in a car, which is just people should stop doing that with this crew. You know, they don't learn their lessons. Well, and just the fact that she's like to her friend, hey, take care of this car. I know what you mean by take care of it. Sell it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did legitimately like it's something that I'm like, I haven't heard this line before, but I like it. Like the the good news is it's safe. The bad news is that it's very safe. Like, I like that. It's nice. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for this ride. It is. There is something funny about hiding priceless tech in a million dollar like sports car. Like it's yeah. it's like the opposite of, you know, trying to do like a hide a key. Let's hide the expensive thing in a more expensive thing. Right, a thing that people would be even more likely to want to steal. It <laughs> yeah. provides its own getaway. <laughs> Best place for it. Which you can clearly, and luckily, it's they're just really lucky that those buildings were spaced such that the the Shah's or the Prince's penthouse was directly the right level to go to an unfinished floor of the next two buildings. Well, but also that was pure luck, like because oh, pure luck because he drives the car out and it's an explosion that aims it. Like I, I think that's what it. This movie more than any makes it clear Vin Diesel has never had a plan at any point. He just drives the cars fast and it keeps working out for him. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why he doesn't have a plan because when he drives the cars, he has not found a a car scenario that he couldn't drive too furious for. That would be amazing. Like we're going to hide the thumb drive. Also, let's be clear that apparently you can ride software that can override and connect every surveillance system in the world and fit it on a thumb drive. Like like, so, let's there's that. Yeah, Uh, but also like I'm still really taken by I'm going to hide it in the car because it's one thing. It's like it's like you got. Pounds and pounds of cocaine. Fine, put it in the DeLorean, right? You've got, yeah. you've got this, this <laughs> little. Like, I keep imagining what, like, the only thing makes sense to me if you like, he put all the contraband in that car, right? Like, if well, there was well, a yeah, bunch. and no, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. To your point, the the selling point of a thumb drive, what is great about it is how portable it is. You want to throw that in your pocket? You want to like stuff it in your sock? Perfect. Let's hide it in a like million dollar in the center console car. of a million dollar supercar. <laughs> That's thing locked in a yeah, it's great. It's just yeah. Wow. Just I, further flawless logic in these movies. It is occurring to me, maybe it would be great if they explored the idea that that is Dom's superpowers that he doesn't he's Ricky Bobby. He doesn't think, he just does. And there's a whole movie where he just gets like really bad anxiety and he starts overthinking everything. Like that's what stops him is he starts like he has like one bad accident and then he's afraid and it's like, no, you can't have fear. You have to just trust, you know? So he goes and meets with his dad, Gary Cole. Yeah. He teaches him how to drive again with a Puma. I mean, yeah, do Talladega nights, but with Dom, you've done everything else. Why not? Why not do Dom? Oh God, Toretta why can't ta- Will Ferrell as Ricky Bobby be in one of these movies? I'm here for that. Yeah. Also, I feel like there's a lot of redundant. Like, I feel like he's not the only one. I feel like there's a lot of these characters. Like, I'm going to solve this problem through action and violence, and not thinking through the consequences. Like, we've got multiple characters with this character, including like the Rock, who they just kind of shelve for three quarters of the film. I believe he was filming Hercules. I did try to figure this out. I think he actually, because the Rock works so much, he made a whole other movie while they were making this, and was like, "I'll show up at the beginning and the end." Like. But yeah, I've got to say, ever since I saw Ballers, I feel like 
he has a range that's not fully explored and feel like oh because he was great in that well and- i mean yeah i mean because andy and i are both wrestling fans so we know from wrestling like how much charisma and comedy and adaptability that guy has that yeah he's he is not being used i would completely agree with that that there there's a lot of gears left to explore with dwayne johnson that yeah and this movie in particular, it's fun to see him because he's good. And him and Jason Statham, I mean, you can see you can see in one scene why they got a spinoff. The second those two locked eyes on each other, I mean, some executive saw dollar signs and was immediately like, get these guys. I wonder, I almost wonder if Statham was supposed to die and some executive was like, you do not do that. Like, absolutely no, we, not. This, we need Statham to <laughs> it's, do It's more. weird to see chemistry in the middle of a fight like that. Yes. But <laughs> like, like, damn, like you... You feel that? Like, yeah, no, you you feel the moment they are on screen together as some sort of inevitable moment all of film has been leading to. You didn't know it till you saw it, but we've all been leading to the it's yeah. and there's something well, about that there's like the perfect contrast of to stare at like to go for be like big muscle versus like wiry but but smart. Like, yeah, it's just going there. Um, but yeah. Well, and that um, that scene ends with a, more proof that the Fast and Furious team are big fans of the Dark Knight, because uh, much like in the Dark Knight, they show that the softest place to land after falling from a tall building is on top of a car. OK, yeah. let's track this now, because we've said this before. <laughs> so they burn a pile of money like the Joker does in the Dark Knight. What is the God's eye, if not the same tech that Bruce Wayne builds in the Dark Knight? Yeah, they do the landing from the Dark Knight. I think they've explored some. These screenwriters love the Dark Knight and have done every angle of it at this. If point. someone slams someone's head down through a pencil on a table, that'll yeah. be the. Uh... <laughs> I'm surprised they- we haven't gotten that courtroom scene from the Dark Knight where the guy pulls the gun on someone. <laughs> we have to, yeah, we've got a large bus, but it hasn't used in the same. Wait, they were really swinging for the fences and what they could think for because apparently the director made a comment that the title referred was a reference to the, the Seven Samurai. What? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> In that they both have the number seven. I know, right? I was like, oh, like you keep t- like this was about the money, but you keep telling yourself that, man. I you keep telling yourself. I that. continue to be amused anytime they do talk about the team because the team really is they're they're all the same people. Like there's no there is no difference in how any the only difference is that uh Roman doesn't want to be there. Everyone else is the exact same character and they all approach things. Well, and Ludacris is pretty good at electronics. Electronics, yeah. but yeah, but he turns out, but just to be clear, he can fight. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. also he's an like, expert martial he's artist. Expert, right. Yeah. Yeah, they're all really good in hand to hand comp. Also, man, we have to talk. I think we're about ready to pivot, if, and I don't know if there's anything else, but I also don't want to forget Vin Diesel saying, You thought this was going to be a street fight, and you're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> And they, yeah, and it can, it came back. I do appreciate screenwriting where, like, every now and then, like, what you can do with film writing, you can't do in a broad that comes to, like, these beautiful callbacks that you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna... that was a beautiful one because it came back again uh, with the street fight. And I think the best uh, callback was when uh, Paul's uh, kid made the comment, everybody called, like, cars don't fly early on. And then later on, cars yeah. don't Dumb, fly. Cars don't fly. <laughs> I clapped at that. <laughs> straight up while watching it yeah. yeah all right well is there yeah is there anything else before we officially enter the silver line rousey portion? can't act oh yeah. yeah 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 we didn't even i was gonna go this whole show without talking about ronda rousey but yeah she's, she's not good that's all i wanted to say she's bad at acting mm-hmm. yep agree this is the the security guard 
Yes. The one that fights Letty. Yeah, the one who says, thank God you showed up because I was so bored. But she does this amazing, she, she's like an MMA, MMA fighter. Like she does yeah. this amazing, like, leaping punch with Ross that was, you know. Oh, yeah. No, she's good at fighting. She's not good at acting. I think that those are both I feel like, like hearing that does not disqualify someone from this franchise. <laughs> oh, no, no. I understand why she's here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, anything else? All right. So, yeah. Uh, the Rock flexed and ripped a cast off. So that's like the biggest silver lining to me. Oh, is for that sure. That is the highlight of the movie. Daddy has like, to oh, go to work. Cast is too tight. Yeah. Rip. Yeah. Daddy has to go to work. He flexes his cast rips off and he then picks up a chain gun and fires it at a helicopter. The Rock and Jason Statham are the silver linings of this movie, like unequivocally. Well, yeah. And, and as absurd as the action is in this movie, it rules and it is so fun. Yeah. Also, let's not forget he rock bottoms Jason Statham through a glass table, which is he also does great. do that. Yes, he does his <laughs> professional wrestling finish. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and John, you kind of talked about it, too. But yeah, I do like the way this is filmed, like the opening with Statham, like every scene that they're in, uh, except possibly when Statham is just chasing everyone like you know, Carmen San Diego style, like, uh, is, is really great. Every time they're given anything to do, the two of them, it's really wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's this, I feel like, cause this is a different director. I feel like then. Yeah. So this it, is Justin James Wan, right? Not uh, Justin. Lin. Yeah. This is James Wan, not Justin Lin. I did look this up. It was apparently because they wanted, I mean, it, it's weird because it didn't end up working out because it got delayed because of the Paul Walker stuff. But, uh, they wanted to film them back to back and have them released faster. So uh, Justin Lin couldn't like the pre-production of this movie was happening while he was still f doing post-production for the last one. So he wasn't able to do it. So that's why they brought in. Um, yeah. Someone else to do this one. Who went on? I didn't recognize the name, who went on to do Mortal Kombat, which was not as was better than I thought it would be. Uh, and Yeah. Uh, so. I did enjoy Mortal Kombat. I'm also trying to remember, is this the same director who did uh, Aquaman? I, I feel like that's... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so he went on to do Aquaman and then, uh, yeah, Mortal Kombat. Which is also a movie. <clears throat> it <Yeah>. is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I, I enjoyed Vin Diesel saying, I wrote it down, the street always wins. I don't know why. <laughs> Big fan of that line, but... Uh, Kurt Russell. I forget the exact. Also. I should have written this down, but like, there's some point towards the end. I don't know this comes to the mind. It's like we used to say we lived our lives a quarter mile at a time, and then it's like, but now something, something, and I forget what the but now is, but it's really trite and wonderful. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, all of that's fun. Like uh, Kurt Russell. I mean, even though his character felt like he should have like turned on them at some point, it's still always fun to see Kurt Russell being very excited about Belgium. Oh yeah. And, and he's doing a wonderful impression of hall of fame NBA coach, Pat Riley. So got the slick backed hair, the tailored suit. And you know, I love Kurt Russell. I, I, I love him and everything he's in. He's oh, always great. Also, I'm gonna give a shout out to the, the other guy at their scene where Roman's coming up with the plan. The one guy who's like, this is bad. The this one is a bad he, idea. Yeah. The guy who had the courage to, <laughs> to speak out against everyone else being like, that's why it's great. I mean, I thought the scene, like, even though you knew how it was going to go 
when Paul Walker climbs out of the bus on the ledge and runs up it and like grabs the tailpipe at the last minute, like that was awesome. Like it's every acting action movie cliche ever, but and she's blindly still, doing the the spin out to yeah, catch him. There, right. She has no so idea where grabs, he is, right? So how yeah. is literally no line of sight? But somehow the back of the car is exactly where it needs to be when it needs to be there. Yeah, that was good. Also, I like the guy locking him in there. I thought that was a good like bit of peril to put him in. Of just mm-hmm. you know, I locked you in this bus that's out of control. Yeah, I mean the whole mountain chase was awesome from as soon as the cars flew out of the plane until. Vin Diesel decided that the only thing to do was let the dust settle and then drive off a cliff. Yeah. It was like, there was several action scenes worth of action. Like I was, I did a quick like scene somewhere going down and it was like that, that went on for a long time. Like there was a lot of beats to that, to that sequence. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like, had that been like quote unquote, all the action in the movie just paced out more. I don't think anyone would have said the movie was light on action. Right. And also like, like, you know, we want some variety to some, like we've got cars down the mountain, but we also want close combat in the middle of a bus. Yeah. Like hand to hand. All right. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it is funny that that's how, yeah, they're sort of like keeping it. So it doesn't feel repetitive is to have two different kinds of action scenes playing out simultaneously. Like, yeah, no, that's good. Uh, it's also kind of weird. I almost feel like the end suffers because of how good that action scene is that it's like the end is fine, but you, you really did everything imaginable in the middle of the movie. So then it's like, I mean, a a drone chases them. It's okay. Yeah. It was funny listening to like the live news APBs that were going out during. It's like, apparently there's just car wars going around the city. Yeah, that's what The Rock hears, right? Like, that's what yeah. it sends him in. And that's like, all right, time to flex this cast off. Which didn't he I thought he was had like broken legs, and yet he's up and moving. So. He's The Rock. He had already healed. Well, he yeah. also picks up that like giant gun with his presumably still broken arm and fires it. Also, on the Batman thing, like, I'm just going to pop, pop painkillers will make mm-hmm. me totally functional yeah he just pops a bunch of them just like in his... real life yeah <laughs> what was definitely his... the result what was his line to letty too where he's like woman i am the cavalry or something, like yeah. that. something. i think that was the line uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yep so i don't know is there anything like i will we... say something like this i think has one of i put this in the top five of my favorite like opening scenes for an action film yes which is not yeah. a small thing like i like this like just like like a where you're going like, oh, hell yeah, like this is going on with some genuine surprise. And also it sets the tone of the movie that it holds like, yes, we're going over the top, but we we own that and know that. Like, I think it gets it done like this and maybe like, is it the last Boy Scout with the football yes. opening on the football? Yes. Like when I think yeah. of like, mo- like movies where like, oh man, this hits the ground running as an action film. Yeah, that, and it's yeah, yeah, and it's also just the like economy of how much you know exactly who Deckard Shaw is now from that scene. He he's a guy who tosses a grenade at a guy who's been unconscious since he went upstairs. Like clearly, those people were not a threat. He tosses a grenade right. at them to blow them up on the way out. Like I know who this guy is. Also, he feels like he's more accomplished than his brother he's here he's going to avenge his brother but also he's got to give his brother a speech about how he's tired of having to bail him out he doesn't want to be doing this you know yeah, like you're right I, just so much like again the show don't tell like just so yeah. much economy yeah of effect there that's just no it's great and yeah it's it's beautifully shot it's it's a fantastic scene it really is like i completely agree it's it is 
I'll say it. I think it is the best scene that we've gotten in a Fast and Furious movie thus far. Oh, like, for sure. It's it's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's And perfect. no cars. And there's no cars. <laughs> not a single car in it. <laughs> and no recognizable characters from any previous films. It's just Jason Statham. But I, I don't know where this fits in, but this was a bananas piece of IMDb trivia for this movie. Like it made a point to comment that this movie has the most bald lead characters in it besides Alien 3. <laughs> okay. With Diesel, Statham, The Rock, Tyrese. I think there's someone else too. I think everyone in Alien 3 was bald, right? <laughs> Everybody, the whole cast was bald in <laughs> okay. Alien 3. So. so that's why that's one. Then this is two. <laughs> I, uh, but, so that what I'm hearing is we need a Fast and Furious movie where everyone shaves their head. We need Stone Cold Steve Austin to show up and be the Rock's like counterpart, and yeah, let's just. I'm auditioning next week to be in uh, <laughs> Fast Ten, so I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> Although the, there, I think it's going to be like everyone has to wear like instead of where they all of a sudden have to suit up to go to the fancy party where there's like this weird slow-mo shot where I'm like, I don't think seeing them in dress attire is as dramatic as you think it is, no matter how much <laughs> you slow down this film. <laughs> I, I will say, because this was my first time watching this movie, I thought they were going to do an 80s rom-com style like fashion show thing where like, this outfit? No. This outfit? No. That's the one. <laughs> I, I can't believe you both don't think Vin Diesel in sleeves is a big deal. I I thought I felt that. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't wear sleeves if I had Vin Diesel's arms either, but Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, that scene that scene is so ridiculous too. Like you have so ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like they they did some homages. I'm in trivia to like the transport. Like they like making small homages to people in it. So if they go in space, we're gonna see like Chronicles of Riddick. Like, oh, like they're gonna oh. be some glowing eyes or the yeah. aliens are just gonna come by eating things. <laughs> oh, is there like a <laughs> enter the the diesel verse <laughs> where just all of his characters are part of the same multiverse? <laughs> oh, yes, and it's all being bankrolled by his character from Boiler Room. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think you should write that script. <laughs> I'm so far ahead of you. <laughs> All right. Do we do it? And they're all descended from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. That it's that guy died and then like spoilers for Saving Private Ryan. But uh but yeah. A thirty year old movie. <laughs> um yeah, I do we do it? Is there anything else? Anybody I, think, I feel like it's it's worth if you if you I feel like sort of the degree to which Paul Walker's role in the franchise is sort of are sort of bookends to a degree of it. I feel like it's an impressive from beginning to end to start from what was clearly like taking point break and changing the premise to cars to like becoming its own, seeing that it's become its own beast, if you will, like that it really sort of took a lot of directions that it was going and took them to their logical extremes. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, maybe just to restate that too, because we talked about it earlier, but yeah, I think they were given a really impossible task with one of the two franchise stars of this film, like from the first movie, uh, died really unexpectedly in a really you know horrific situation, and to to find a way to navigate that, to find a way to honor him, that made fans happy, that made his family happy, that feels right for the character and the franchise. And I mean, it's it's you know affecting to see all the clips, like with the you know if you had told me that 
a Wiz Khalifa song with footage of Paul Walker would make me feel something. I wouldn't have guessed that, but like it is oddly beautiful to see yeah. all of that like put together. And maybe it's and- because the franchise in part, you know, I, I like to like, oh, it's all about speed and fast and first. But like it has been hitting maybe a little too on the head, but like about family and loyalty, right? That mm-hmm. comes up over and like it is held on to those themes, even like repetition matters. And so that fit, right? Like the theme of family and loyalty, like it, it felt it resonated that like losing a member of the family felt like it meant something within the greater context of the core themes of the franchise. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing is that it just feels like the right narrative closure for Paul Walker's character had he not passed away in real life. Right. That it would feel weird for him to continue showing up in these movies because it, it just, it like closed that loop so well. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's weirdly been a thing. So five, like at the end of five, they all become millionaires. And then he has a family. And after I think it's six that they end up like clearing their names. There isn't a reason for him to keep doing this stuff. Like for his character should, you know, I think it seems like the movie was already exploring that idea before, you know, like, but yeah, it feels like a very natural point to be like why i mean we can ask the question of why any of them are doing any of this at this point but specifically yeah you have two kids and a wife and millions of dollars you know you you don't have any need to do this anymore that was another just it reminded me of another great recontextualizing scene uh the when they first introduced paul walker in the movie when you see him like kind of like you know doing like the close look at the thing and he shifts into gear and it's just to pull up to the next spot to drop his kid off at preschool like well done that is definitely that's like a daddy daycare kind of like that's de- that is classic like comedy oh yeah you know just, it's not groundbreaking but it it was like yeah no that's definitely me. yeah james wan <laughs> right it, it would have like in a different direction of the narrative i wouldn't have been surprised if there was some dramatic moment where like he pulls some some carnage in a minivan right like oh yeah right yeah which is maybe the the funny thing is that uh, of everything that they've done, I don't think they've explored that of like put them in not fast cars. Can you it's imagine the- a minivan like like awesome vehicle, awesome vehicle, yeah. awesome vehicle with a parachute minivan? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, like a situation where they don't think he'd be able to show up, and he shows up at the last minute. It's like when the Millennium Falcon shows up at the end of Star Wars. Like it's just he has to show up in the minivan to help win the battle. That'd be crazy. He shows up like in the the, 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 the child to the side, kind of like raising Arizona style briefly, like goes yeah. out kicks butt opens the door yeah yeah you could kind of do the thing with the kid too of like don't watch you know like you know (laughs) that classic like now remember daddy said never never drive like this never hit you know (laughs) like all of yeah that it's a controlled slide yeah (laughs) like a vietnam helicopter gun mini gun out the the sliding door I, i could already hear Ludacris going you drifted in a minivan. Like yeah. that's a trailer moment right there. Like, There's also definitely like a room for product placement. Cause like they, you show them press the button for the automatic door and it conveniently opens. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Him trying to convince them that it's actually a cool car. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it turns out like he still has cans of Nas. Like it actually is souped <laughs> up like for a minute. Oh man. Missed opportunity. I mean, maybe that was in the script and, you know, they just didn't have time to do it all with every, maybe that's the the real tragedy in all of this. That's probably, that's probably what it was. All right. Well, I think, I think we did it. I think we did it. John, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you on. 
Uh, are there things you would like to point people to if they would like more of you in their life? Well, you know, Andy and I do a duo prov, an improv thing that uh, he's been great about reminding me about, but we haven't done as much online as we should, which is on me. But, you know, we'll go back to it and also hopefully in person as well, which is um, where we do improvised action films because we love this stuff so we much. Do. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, yep. Yeah, I recommend that. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I've got for a, for a plug on it. Perfect. Yeah. And if uh, if you get a chance to see them, definitely see, see them. If you get a chance to see John Winmuller do improv, take it because you I miss seeing you do improv like it really was. Uh, I'm a joy. Doing it. I'm really looking forward to it coming back. So. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, th- this was great. Um, so, Andy, if you just want to hit him with our classic sign off. More minivans, please. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 